0: Hey, this is Eileen
1: Graff, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will devote this week's program to the life and career of Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin, the daytime talk show icon who turned aggravation into an art form every day on Live with Regis and Kathy Lee, and later live with Regis and Kelly, and who made ABC the number one network in 1999 and 2000 as host of the game show Phenomenon, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Regis Philbin passed away Friday, July 24th at the age of 88. Greg Airbar will join us later on the program. Greg worked with Regis behind the scenes for many years when Philbin hosted the annual Disney Christmas Parade, while Steve Beverly will join us in our second hour for an in-depth look at Regis's long career with ABC. We will also play highlights from our tribute to Joey Bishop that originally aired in 2016 in which Phil Grace and I talk about Regis's two-and-a-half-year stint as the announcer and on-air sidekick on Joy Bishop's late-night talk show for ABC. That segment will also include comments from Joey Bishop himself on his relationship with Regis on and off the air. In the meantime, we will start the program as we usually do with some thoughts from Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen. Uh, Since our last visit, we lost another welcome presence in television, that being Regis Philbin.
2: Yeah, you know, Regis Philbin got – he's in the Guinness Book for like the most hours on television.
1: I'm I'm going to dispute that and not to speak ill of the dead. Uh, Yes, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, Regis Philbin has more than 17,000 hours of network – Broadcast airtime, which surpassed the record previously set by Hugh Downs. But I would say that when you factor in all the hours of shows that Hugh Downs did for syndicated television and public television, and you add that to the mix, Hugh Downs—and this is nothing against Regis, but Hugh Downs, in my mind, is still—
2: And that, that is possibly— <laughs>
0: But Regis Philbin did have an incredible television career, broad- broadcasting <laughs> career. There's, there's no question about that. Yes. Man was amazing.
3: Yes, yes,
1: he did.
2: <laughs> and, as a, kid, and I want to get to the, the Regis impersonations. Well, that's I a, that's a terrible Regis
1: impersonation, by the way.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I think most people who do the impersonation are doing Dana Carvey, yeah. doing Regis. <laughs> talked about this in the past that you know when people are doing impressions they're actually doing like rich little's take on it or dana carvey and then daryl hammond also did it later on but i remember as a kid growing up in la he was the host here of am los angeles Mm -hmm. and he did that with uh sarah Purcell and i think mary hart for a little bit and uh cindy garvey who was the wife of steve garvey yeah and it was around the time that steve was still playing for the dodgers Mm -hmm. here and I think they continued when when Steve went to San Diego. I think AM Los Angeles was originally. I think it was Ralph Story and Stephanie Edwards.
1: Well, originally it was John. Originally it was John Barber.
2: You're right. It was John Barber.
1: And then when the, when the station fired John, they replaced him with Ralph Story, and then yeah. eventually with Regis. Yeah.
2: And Ralph Story is, I would say, a local TV legend. Yes. Just uh, LA local. Yeah. La local, uh, yes. La local did a lot of stuff for KCET, which is the PBS affiliate here. Uh, had a great series, uh, "Things That Aren't There Anymore," mm-hmm. which if you could find it, you know, I mean, if you're an Angelino, it's a great, great, great uh, series. But it is one of those things that could be used in a in a history class. Yeah. I mean, it was so beautifully done. But I remember when Regis took over, especially at the time with Regis and Sarah Purcell on those days where you didn't have to go to school or those days that you were sick and couldn't go to school. I mean, that was always a great morning show because it would be on at the nine o'clock hour. This is when the today show and good morning America ended at nine and they would come on and it would be local programming and they just dominated that time period. Why is that? You know, I think a lot of the morning TV hosts, whether it was here and I remember several shows and you know, when I was up in Lake Tahoe that were broadcast from San Francisco, I think they just, it was the end of the news And now it was time for fun. They used to do like a post Oscar show. Yeah. That would be the Monday morning after. Yeah, I think it was Monday morning after the No, Oscars were on a Monday. So it'd be the Tuesday morning. Mm You would have Regis working the red carpet and doing post-show interviews. And they would come to the set in their tuxedos and evening gowns. Not having slept and doing a, a live show and just talking about it and, you know, bringing on Mr. Blackwell. (laughs) No, look, Mr. you know, to just trash every gown that was worn that night. Yeah, I think they just did, you know, it was the usually it was the end of the news and it was time to just talk about stuff that was happening in the city, it was local based. Now, of course, one of the benefits of being in a city like LA, you could get A-listers on this morning show. And it was the ABC affiliate, so you often would have uh, stars of whatever ABC show was popular. Yeah. Monday morning, uh, we got Marion Ross and Tom Bogsley talking about the new season of Happy Days. And Marion also going to show you her favorite cookie recipe or something like
0: that. I mean, morning shows were a staple across the country with local hosts, local celebrities. My favorite morning chill in Cincinnati, I love Nick Clooney.
3: Yes, um, George. George's dad. Yeah, yes, yeah,
0: yes, um, yes. I did not become familiar with Regis film, of course, until uh, his syndicated show went nationally. I don't remember where I was at the time. What I always liked about Regis, he had that the morning show demeanor, like that everyman quality mm-hmm. that every morning show host had. Only it was elevated yeah. somehow. It was mm-hmm. still an elevated everyman, if that makes sense.
2: Well, he talked about he would talk to his buddies in the Bronx. Exactly. Yeah. And I think makes that sense. really came across. I and mean, When he was here, I think it really, really just hit home that he would just talk directly to the camera. Yeah. And whatever yeah. was on people's minds, they would talk about it. Now, that... he did make a point to not get political. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. would try to avoid that because he just didn't like it. It was not his thing.
0: He did have the gift of being able to talk to anyone.
2: Yeah. About anything. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There were a couple of morning shows, and I can't remember the name of the talent, in San Francisco. And I just thought, at the end of a national broadcast, whether it be the Today Show or Good Morning America, to have a local... I think it was also a bigger deal in other markets. Yeah, where... I
1: believe the success of AM Los Angeles led to am san francisco abc took the franchise and they did a san francisco version jim lang from the dating game who was a jim lang was a was a dj in los angeles for many years but he made a name for himself in san francisco radio and he hosted a daily show on ksfo in the bay area while he was doing the dating game he would fly down here Uh, for the weekends, and then for a while he relocated down here, and he hosted a show either on KABC or KMPC. Gary Owens' station, but then in but then he relocated to San Francisco, KMPC, and then and then he relocated to San Francisco, where he hosted AM San Francisco with his. I don't remember whether they were married at the time or whether they met, as a result of the show, his future wife, Nancy Fleming, former Miss America. They were the equivalent of Regis and Sarah Purcell up in San Francisco. They're that light yes. light schmoozy... In, there, in that case, they'd be, they be coming off of uh, AM... Not Well, originally it was called AM America, but Good Morning America. And uh, so it was a locally produced schmoozy type of yeah, show.
2: But the nice thing about these shows is when the networks would send talent to plug the shows yeah. in different markets. Yeah. And that would be and they would go to different cities and do the morning shows, do radio, all that stuff. I mean, it was really cool, especially um, I remember one of the shows in San Francisco had a live audience. And you know, you get somebody on one of the ABC sitcoms especially yeah. to come on the show. Uh, I remember like when uh, Too Close for Comfort was huge, and to have Jim J. Bullock come on a, you know, a local show, mm-hmm. and just steal the show from the host, basically. Yeah. But it was always huge. I mean, in LA, it was, AM Los Angeles did not have a live audience. AM San
1: Francisco did not have a live audience either. The one show that did, the one local show that did was a show called People Are Talking,
2: Yes, with um, – what's well, his name?
1: It, in San Francisco, it was co-hosted by Ann Fraser and Ross McGowan. And that was done for Westinghouse because the local affiliate was a West was owned by Westinghouse at the time. And so other Westinghouse-owned stations would do their own people are talking shows. So you would have a people are talking in Cincinnati, whatever the Westinghouse affiliate was yeah. there or Cleveland or, or so forth. And those were shows yeah. – It was a, it was basically – the same type of concept is what regis did with am los angeles only the difference is at least in san francisco and i think in the other group w stations that did their own people are talking that was done before a live audience which is a whole different dynamic
0: yeah and i will say i mean the two of you lucky just being tony growing up in los angeles san francisco which is in close proximity to Los Angeles, you did have access to celebrities. I mean, it wasn't a big deal to travel up the coast. In Cincinnati, the morning shows, it was, yeah, every once in a while, somebody big would come in, but it was mostly your local celebrities, local stories. You know, after you left, you know, the big city, New York, the Today Show, Good Morning America... This is what's happening in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I remember Nick Clooney's show. I loved it when his sister were coming mm-hmm. to join him, his sister Rosemary Clooney. Those were always some of my favorite shows.
1: Tony and Donna are with us via Zoom as we remember Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin, the talk show icon who regaled local audiences and then later national audiences over Morning Coffee for the better part of four. Decades, the success Regis enjoyed as host of AM Los Angeles in the 1970s led to other local stations hosting similar morning talk shows, usually around the 9 a.m. hour. Regis Philbin passed away Friday, July 24th at the age of 88. Greg Airbar will join us later on the program. We'll talk about uh, Regis's. Long association with the Walt Disney Company. Then our friend Steve Beverly will join us and talk about Regis's many contributions to the world of game shows, including Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
0: And there's something else I think we have to say about these morning shows, local shows or syndicated morning shows. Uh, Many of them, uh, at least originally, were geared toward women.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Kids. Kids are in school. Dad is at work. They're planning their day. They're doing the housework. They're planning dinner, something lighter, enjoyable,
2: escapism. Yeah, but I think when Regis went to New York and then Cindy Garvey joined him there, it was again, you know, one of those uh, things that just was lightning in a bottle. Because now you had Regis on the East Coast, you could have a show that would eventually be syndicated. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that they were gonna have, you know, something that would be like a countertop and bar stools behind it and the morning newspapers. And he was able to do this. I don't think a lot of other people would be able to do it that spontaneously, just get out there and just say hi to everyone you know if it was a beautiful day he would mention that it's a beautiful day if it was a miserable day he would mention that it was a miserable day outside glad that you're all inside uh and then oh did you see the um headline in the post and make a comment on the headline in the post or the headline in the times or 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 whatever newspapers were over there and and talk about it and again you know he was not somebody who got political But he would talk about that. Or when he was, you know, eventually paired with Kathy Lee, you know, it was, you know, oh, what'd you do over the weekend?
0: And people liked it. Kathy Lee and Regis, I mean, the chemistry between them was, wasn't great. A lot of people thought they were married in real life. And you look at, yeah, I mean, they were, I mean, that was his uh, work wife. He was her work husband. Yeah. But a lot of people thought they were married. Yeah. And just the chemistry between them. i It worked. It, it worked. Was that my first choice to watch during that hour of the morning? Probably not, but I got it. Yeah. I got it. And I love the shows when Regis's wife, real wife, Joy, Joy mm-hmm. joined him. It shifted the dynamic, but there was something more, I'm I going to use the word grounded about those shows that I always enjoyed. I
2: always enjoyed the dynamic between them. And that was showing, they started airing it in syndication here at the same time when AM Los Angeles was still on, I think it was was, uh, Steve Edwards. And I forgot, um, and oh, Tawny Little.
0: Another former Miss America. Another
2: former Miss America. And they would have uh, uh, Regis and Kathy Lee syndicated. And I remember the Billboard campaign was a picture of Regis and Kathy Lee. Kathy Lee is wearing one of Frank's uh, jerseys. Mm -hmm. So it has the number and it has Gifford on it. Right. And so it's Regis and Kathy in in one of Frank's jerseys. And uh, the campaign on the billboard was Regis is back in the AM Los Angeles. Yes. And he has a new friend. (laughs) And so, I mean, it was, I thought it was a brilliant campaign. And then when the show started airing out here, I thought it was, you know, it, I think for the fans of AM Los Angeles that missed Regis, they just immediately jumped to this new show. And I also remember, I think it was uh, the Disney MGM Studios when that opened up in Orlando, which is now just the Disney Studio. Uh, You know, they had a huge press junket there. So Mm -hmm. every morning show was there at the time. They did do a whole week of AM Los Angeles from Orlando, for the launch. And I remember one time Regis just walked over because Regis was probably with Kathy Lee, maybe 15, 20 feet away, you know, so they could show the Chinese theater, you know, replica in the background of their shot. So you, sometimes you can see these shows, they're just, you know, yards apart. And he just walked over it and just kind of crashed the A in Los Angeles show just to see how everybody was. And I'm sure for the local audience here, that was perfect. I mean, that was just perfect to see Regis come back. And, it was, you know, he was just being, you know, he was being
1: Regis. Regis Philbin passed away this past Friday, July 24th at age 88. Tony and Don are with us via Zoom to talk about Regis's career, his impact on daytime television. You mentioned his wife, Joy. Donna, he met Joy while filming the Joey Bishop show. Joy Sinise, oh. Joy Sinise was Joey Bishop's assistant.
0: A lot lot of people have forgotten that before he took over morning television, he had quite the career before that.
1: Yeah, he's a classic example of, I mean, a lot of, we've talked about this on the program. There are number ones and there are number twos. There are second bananas and there are hosts, anchor people. And a lot of times second bananas aren't able to make the jump, as host because they're not accepted as as the host. They're they're thought of in terms of but uh second bananas, but there are exceptions. Ed McMahon proved himself to be a good host with Star Search and some of the other things that he hosted. And Regis, through persistence and working hard and taking advantage of opportunities when they were presented to him he moved up the rank so to speak and he proved that a second banana when given the opportunity can be a good number one host
0: when kathy lee left the show i remember seeing all the auditions for Mm co-host i had my favorites i was still surprised when kelly ripa yeah stepped into that position what did what the two of you think of their chemistry
1: I never liked Kelly Ripa.
0: It, it was an interesting dynamic. I will
1: leave <laughs> it at that. I, I, yeah, I'll just say I never, I never cared for Kelly Ripa. And I'll, and I'll just leave it I, at that. The,
0: she, the two of them worked together; were fun to watch. Yeah. Even though half the time I was wondering, he made it work. She was Kelly Ripa. Regis made it work.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, you you had somebody who came from the world of soaps. Yeah. You know, and it's like, who knew she could, you know, handle the morning show.
0: How long has she been on that show
1: now? I think since twenty eleven.
0: Yeah. That's that's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. But I what I did like about especially the dynamic with Kelly Ripp, because she had filled in for Kathy Lee several times. Mm -hmm. And she would always I remember she would do, you know, she was pregnant or something and she would you know they did a whole bridal like a, a whole bridal runway. This before say yes to the dress. And then at the end of when they got the last model, then Kelly comes out fully pregnant in a bridal gown, (laughs) like wearing a maternity bridal gown. And it was hysterical. Yeah. And she played it off beautifully.
1: Tony and Donna will be back later on in the program for more thoughts on the passing of Regis Philbin and his many contributions to the world of. Daytime talk shows, late night talk shows, and of course, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll take a quick time out, then Greg Garibar will join us to talk about Regis's long association with the Walt Disney Company, all that and more. We come back on TV Confidential.
3: Attention, this important consumer alert is brought to you by the Structured Settlement Cash Hotline. Did you know it's possible to receive upfront money in one large payment from your structured settlement? Yes, you can. If you're receiving a structured settlement spread out over time and you want to access your money today, call us. It's your future cash. Why not put it in your hands today? Don't wait any longer. This is the best solution if you need money to pay your bills or even help a family member who's been affected during this global time of crisis. Everyone needs a little money right now, and our hotline is here for you. If you have a structured settlement where you're getting money spread out over time and you want it faster, Call now. This simple 10-minute call can get your money now. The call is free, and it costs you nothing. 800-965-7987. 800-965-7987. 800-965-7987. That's 800-965-7987.
0: Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website,